long name for a wrestling show. It was from uh, Ariaki Arena, that's the new building in Ariaki, the home of Pro Wrestling Noah. And joining me to discuss this today is Mr. John Dinsdale of uh, No Fixed Wrestling Above, but he does a fine wrestling blog you can go and see on, um, where is it, John? <laughs> that's the one, yeah, Patreon. Need more coffee, that's better. Hello, it's the six days late Halloween special. Indeed, we should have the ghoul back. Last week we um, did uh, the Glate shows, which had a fantastic, in fact, possibly the best tag match I've seen all year, deathmatch main event, no DQ, no count out, featuring the lads from Freedoms, which we, me and Marcus were like, we probably should have had you on for that because it was your thing. And as Marcus said, and which was the best quote I've heard all year, I like my wrestlings with more match and less death. Which <laughs> <laughs> is fair enough. Um, so this week we brought you on to watch a completely straight wrestling show. Sorry, dude. I mean, it was still pretty violent. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was, there, was this, there was a general theme of people getting beaten up. That was the general kind of over for this particular show, which now arguably you could say that's all pro wrestling shows. But this one distinctly had a side of Ed's going kicked in. Um, and it's it's basically built around, again, um, the retirement of your Kiyaji Muto and the semi-main event, sorry, co-main event was all related about that, um, and his former protégés from various different promotions. But the show started with a pre-show match. Kai Fujimura defeated Tashi Ozawa, six minutes and eight seconds. Uh, young boys match. Ozawa is fresh out the dojo. Fujimura's been on the road for a couple of years now. Um, still, both still developing. Ozawa, as the junior, was going to lose, let's be honest. But he's got a lot of presence for a young man. He's a bit gangly. I like Fujimura a lot, though. He's cool. He can throw people around quite handily. What's your thoughts on this one, John? I just had fun watching the pair kick the shit out of each other. It's <laughs> That's the thing with like Noah Young Boy matches; they are just so violent. <laughs> it's like you've got the more traditional side from the New Japan ones, and then when it comes to Noah, they're just like, right, gloves are off, beat the shit out of each other until one of you wins. You've I got think six well, minutes go nuts. I think as well that I kind of get into them a little bit more because they're allowed a load more free reign on their skill sets. It's not just basic ground and pound um, amateur wrestling with some rope work that you see in New Japan. No matches are proper matches. Now there's an argument to say, well, they're not as well-versed in the fundamentals, but the style of wrestling they're going to do doesn't require you to be well-versed in the fundamentals. <laughs> it's a much more kind of shock and awe form of wrestling. Um, this is so bastard training. Yes, exactly. This is the thing. It, it's... Yeah, if, by the way, if you are in the UK and um, you want to watch an interesting kind of take on what dojo life is like, there was a documentary on Channel 4 on Friday night, which I'm sure will be on all four, uh, which looked at um, sumos, young sumos, 
and the positives and negatives of the lifestyle of a, a young sumo in a dojo or even high school sumos. And there was a mildly terrifying um, part about um, a dad and his son. And his son was eating like $100 worth of food a day to maintain weight as a sumo. And he's like 14. And it's like, oh, that's, that's asking for trouble, really, isn't it? But um, yeah. And, you know, dojo life is not pleasant. We've gone deep into it and expressed it before, but I think it's well worth a watch. You have to kind of sometimes have to look at the higher price you pay as a wrestling fan, the psychic price you pay as a wrestling fan for the things that you enjoy watching, I feel, because it gives you a sense of reality and it stops you moaning that people aren't doing things the way they should do because, you know, they have very hard lives and you should appreciate that and makes you appreciate wrestling more, definitely. Anyway, shall we move on to the second match? Yeah, there's never much to say about the young boy matches. They do what they do, and it's fun to watch. Definitely. I would have liked to have seen when they did the... I mean, they did do on the Wrestle Kingdom and Yokohama show, they did do a young boy Noah versus NJPW match, and that was kind of interesting. I'd like to have seen more of that. That would have been handy. Anyway, let us move on. Congo, Hajime Ohara, Manubu Soya, and Shuji Kondo went up against Alejandro, Extreme Tiger, and Shihu Taniguchi in nine minutes and eight seconds. Um, I believe uh, it was Soya essentially destroying Alejandro to take the pinfall with something quite violent. Well, this was a ton of fun in the, the usual sense. Um, kind of a bit of a break from Taniguchi, who's been going up against um, his former stablemates um, in... Uh, God, I'm having a real good day today. What's his stable? What's his stable? That's it, Funky Express. Good lord, he's been going up against his stablemates in Funky Express. We had a bit of a change of pace here, and he was the heavyweight going up with Sawyer. Um, Kondo's kind of supposed to be like junior, but he's not really. Um, but this was a load of fun with a bunch of uh, guys who normally tag together coming together and having a decent tag match, but not a lot of story going into it. It was kind of a well, this was the main show opener proper, so this one was kind of get everyone excited kind of thing. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Um, well, my current thoughts are if I find out he was lighting fireworks off, I'm going to set one off in his ass. But uh, yeah, this match, <laughs> a lot of fun. I love Congo's like chemistry. Sawyer with his red hair and red beard doing his best to look like bloody Endeavor from My Hero Academia. <laughs> it's just a fun match. I, I'm so, like, happy to finally be able to see, like, Condor's work consistently because he is just brutal. <laughs> like, he is just there to put people in the ground. Like, he's not trying to be fancy. He's not trying to be flashy. He's just trying to hurt people. And that is fun. Especially always... when you're giving people like Shuhei Taniguchi, who deserves a pummeling for turning on the Funky Express. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, a, been a fan of Kondo for a, a, a long time um, because he's like been around forever. He's started up in Dragon Gate, he's been in all Japan, he's done everything everywhere. And he's kind of one of them linchpin glue guys who can bait. I mean, he's, I suppose, the equivalent of him. More recently, it would be Shingo Takagi in the sense of a, a junior heavyweight in name only who can really base for big heavy, for junior heavyweights and really go to town with them. But the thing is with Takagi and Kondo as well, he's just as fast and can move just as quickly. 
And yeah, no, he's it was just funless, wasn't it? Really? How you open the show with a bang? Definitely. Okay, then move on to a tag match, which had some uh, nice little moments. Daki Inaba tagged with Yohei against Jack Morris and Dante Leon. Inaba, who's kind of a junior, but on the heavy side, was kind of like trying to try and make it um, go with Jack Morris, the, the heavyweight in this match. Inaba didn't, as I mentioned, no commentary. Inaba didn't uh, make it to this year's M1. And he is a little bit small because I could initially thought he was a junior. Donze Leon and Yohei are bonding, <laughs> even though they're opponents they have tagged together in the past, over there, both of them having the, a nice form of turquoise hair. It went for 11 minutes and four seconds. I'm always impressed by Jack Morris, but I was impressed by Narber in this and Yohei, obviously, and Leon in this as well. Leon's aerial work is amazing. He's done some incredible stuff. He kind of reminds me of Sabu in the sense that it never looks quite under control. <laughs> if you see what I mean. And um, that, that that's always intriguing to me. He always looks safe, but he never looks quite under control. And this match flowed nicely. 11 minutes and four seconds. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, just, just seeing Dante Leon in Japan makes me happy. He's like one of the Texas Indies GCW regulars, so I'd been exposed to him a lot. He obviously had the first match with Ninja Mac where everyone got up in arms over his shooting star cutter, but look at him now. He's just in <laughs> really fast-paced, free-flowing tag matches with some of Noah's hottest prospects, top like former top stars, and yeah. Anaba is back on the road to sort of impressing people. It's yeah. It was a nice match with some really fun moments. And I just love Definitely. seeing Dante Leon get big wins in Noah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, by the way, we had uh, Mark and Stu back on commentary. Mark's had some time off because he had a hospital visit. Stu was at his full um, sex wee excitement self throughout this particular card, <laughs> which can great after a while. He does get excited about everything. Um, but yeah, no, this was fun. It was, it was, it was, it was kind of, I, I do like the fact that Mark and Stu both like the product, which is always nice to on the commentary team. Um, speaking of commentators, did you watch Rampage on Friday night? Of course I did. <laughs> do you really think so, I'm going to miss Shibata versus Orange Cassidy? Do, no, do you I, really think I, I'm going no, to I miss didn't, no, I, no, I didn't either. And it's like, well, there was obviously these issues with Mike Tyson, you know, a convicted rapist on being on your TV show. But who knew he was such a massive wrestling geek, first of all? And secondly, who knew he couldn't shut up? <laughs> it, was, it was honestly quite wholesome just seeing him point out basic wrestling moves and be really <laughs> happy about it like you, you think about it, this is like mike tyson one of the most dangerous men on the planet just geeking out at wrestling like a happy schoolgirl. it's like yeah i yeah, found I'm... it wholesome S seemingly knew more news than the rest of the commentary team did um as someone argued on twitter that he was actually more worthwhile than JR. I had to turn the volume down because I just couldn't stand him talking, but because he wasn't quiet. I will say that match is awesome. Though. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it because Orange Cassidy was the ideal person to have a match with Shibata on TV because of the way basically Orange Cassidy is as gentle as a human being can be in a wrestling match and therefore Shibata A, looked like a million dollars no matter what he did um, but it was just just 
worked perfectly well. As someone put it on t- Twitter, uh, Fire Ant wrestled Katsuyori Shibata with Mike Tyson on commentary, and I didn't think we'd ever get to this far in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. There's a, there's a lot of um, Chicago love out there for the roster, not for the company. Um, but anywho. Every time Shibata breaks the internet, it's completely unannounced. Like when he just turned up to announce he was back, broke the internet. When he turns up on AEW unannounced, it's just like fucking fighting you. And everyone's just like, wait, what? Wait. Jed, do you want Climax Final? Uh, when he had that exhibition with Zach? Oh, that was the, he didn't, he did, that was unannounced. The Wrestle Kingdom one with Uemura was slightly less shocking until he said, why don't we just have a regular wrestling match? <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it was, no, I thought it was yeah, it would have been Ren Reed, not anymore. Remori was still a rookie back then, he had gone off on excursion. Yes, it would have been Ren like, Yeah, just like casually, oh, this is just under normal wrestling rules now. And what would you like, yeah. wait, is this safe? That guy had his brain taken out. Are we sure we want to do this? But it's like if he's down for it, who are we to judge? <laughs> he didn't, have his didn't have his brain taken out. It's just that Dave Meltzer's an idiot, um, <laughs> how did, how did they get mental image hilarious though so why not it's one of those few times where you can say something that's factually inaccurate and not just be an absolute monster anywho let us move on um, indeed Stinger, Chris Ridgway, Yoshiyano Gawa tagged up with rookie Yatsuki Yano and they defeated Los Perez de Maldahapon, Aita Nasawa Rangai and Super Crazy by disqualification in 13 minutes and 15 seconds. Now here's the thing, whatever promotion you're in in Japan, if you have a rookie who's only been with the company for two or three years on your team, the odds are you're losing. This did not happen here. <laughs> the odds are you're going to get a kick in. This did not happen here either. Yano sits into Stinger like a hand in a glove He's their kind of wrestler. He's been tagging with them for a while. And they set two on beating up Peros, the Los Poros de Mal. And they did a handy job. Aita was bloody. Uh, Nasai Rongai could, didn't, I don't think he even got in the ring legally. No, he did for a little bit, but not for very long. And Super Gracie was kind of held down all the way through this match. The story of this match was Stinger can't stand Los Peros de Mal. And therefore, they're going to take every lump out of them they possibly can and recruit people to their side to do it. And that's what happened here. One of the highlights of this match was Chris Ridgway getting Aita into an ankle lock on the commentator's table and apologising profusely to the lady commentary guest, lady on guest commentary wants for making Aita bleed on her, <laughs> essentially. So this match was awesome. I loved this. What did you think of this one, John? It's like Timothy Thatcher, you can just tell that Chris Ridgway's in his happy place. He's just, <laughs> he's being paid to be as technically brutal as he wants to, and he's part of a faction that is celebrating his ability to just make people bleed on announce tables with submissions. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Again. My other favourite bit of this was, my other favourite bit of this was when um, Ridgway had Aita in an armbar, and Ogawa had wrong guy in another submission and Yano's looking to stop um, super crazy and he just goes hey I can do an ankle lock because he's not using it <laughs> you can actually see him like going mm, oh ankle lock there you go Chris isn't using one I'm safe to use it now he can't hurt me if I do <laughs> <laughs> I 
it was just like that's brilliant I this is just ace I just love Stinger as well. Like they're such a fun group. Like I, I enjoyed both groups for different reasons, and just the sheer determination to kick the living shit out of Ata was just so fun to watch. Even down to the end where it's just like, oh, we've now got a trash can. Yep, it's just beaten with that as well. The match is already over. We've got this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and see what happened? And it's just the fact that you always get to hear Rob Zombie when Stinger win, which is just a bonus. Did you hear what happened on the show the, the midweek this week? Um, I did not. You, What's happened? You know the, the Junior Army wear those N blue t-shirts with white N on them for Noah Junior Division? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Paris de Mal only hate the new the junior regulars more than they hate Stinger. So Stinger started wearing those t-shirts just to annoy Paris de Mal. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit there's been a bit of a thaw in the relationship between Stinger and the regular junior army <laughs> to the point where they'll wear those t-shirts but just to annoy the guys in PDM. <laughs> uh, see I love Noah because it's some of the nastiest wrestling you will watch, but at the same time, there's just this underlying sense of tongue-in-cheek that might have bled in from being like under the same company as DDT. Yeah, there's a... But you can tell a... that they're not afraid to do the occasional fun thing within the super serious wrestling company. True, and the, there's, a, there's a level of pettiness that a lot of the characters enjoy, which I just find joyous. <laughs> it's so, like one of my favourite moments from the whole show is in the tag title match and it's hmm. Keno sort of shouting into the crowd and I think it's it's Stu is having to translate he's, just, he's like oh he's telling the assholes to shut up and I'm just like of course Keno <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway let us move on there was a tag team match featuring Sigurigun, El Hijo Del Dr. Wagner Jr. Taking with Hideki Suzuki, and they defeated Masai Ketamiya and Masato Tanaka 11 minutes and 54 seconds of a bit of a hoss tag team matchup. Um, they just hit each other really hard through most of this match, and Suzuki, you know, was his usual levels of vicious mission master self. But they, th- this was just big lads wrestling all the way through with a bit of a sense of social humor because Alhijo Dull, Dr. Wagner Jr does like a laugh, um, and just blatant cheating. Ah, fish hooking to the count of five. <laughs> uh, can I break your nose with my wrist? No, oh, apparently not. Best try again. Yes, all that stuff. It's just fun. It's just, big lads hitting each other really hard, and it was fun. Can't say more than that. What do you think on this one, John? Yeah, it was sort of minor dad violence with some comedy, some pumpkin spiced fury and <laughs> a lot of people hurting each other a lot it was yeah. a lot of fun i'm glad yeah. to see hideki suzuki back in his element because he is so damn good at what he does always has been and then he got wasted just imagine well, what he could be teaching people in nxt if they'd actually you know used him properly yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Uh, for those of you who are, Hideki Suzuki recently, about ooh, just less than a year ago, came back from his excursion to WWE, as they say in New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> uh, 
where he was a trainer in NXT, um, but didn't really get used an awful lot the way he perhaps should have done. Um, I think he was probably hired under the, the William Regal regime, and that's maybe one of the reasons why he didn't get an ongoing job, if you see what I mean. But anywho, he seems very much but in yeah, his happy place. Yeah, it's great to see like four people who are just very content to be in a tag match kicking the shit out of each other. Like Masato Tanaka is still so damn great after all these years. Like he's barely aged. He's in the best shape he's ever been, and he is still going as strong as ever. To the point that I could again, much like BDT did last year, you could put a top belt on him and nobody would really complain because it's like he can still go like the young guys. I'm just checking. Isn't he still zero one champion? I think. I will just check. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, if if Noah suddenly turned around and were just like, mm. oh, Ke- like if Kiyomiya got in, not Kiyomiya, fucking Kiyomiya suddenly got injured, and it's like, right, we're going to put the belt on bloody Masato Tanaka. I don't think many people would complain. He is he is currently the zero one world heavyweight champion. He's also the Blast King tag team champion with Hegetu Kibato. They've held the belts since 2019, 1176 days. I'm assuming because they haven't put any shows on since. <laughs> but there you go. There was, there was, you know, 2019. That implies that company might have had issues during lockdown. Anywho, but yes, a ton of fun. Now we get to the serious business. Uh, Doshi Goku, uh, uh, Atsushi Kotaje and Siki Yoshikawa, uh, Yoshioka, <laughs> Yoshioka, I got it right. The GHC Junior Tag Team Champions defended against Congo High 69 and Tadusuke. Um, 13 minutes and 8 seconds. This was kind of a very lopsided affair with the challengers kind of really hammering home their dominance. Tadusuke, as of late, has had a real spring in his step and that kind of momentum pushed them forwards. Um, but it wasn't enough to see off the champs who've been through a bit of the ringer lately in their tag team title reign. Uh, this was their first tag team title defense. What did you think of this one, John? Yeah, this was a real sort of if you can hang type of match because yeah. it's like, oh, it's our first, it's our first defense. We've got to look good, and then they got the shit kicked out of them for like twelve of the thirteen minutes. <laughs> it was a very, <laughs> very one-sided affair with it. Like the champs just never seeming to get anything going until it mattered. Like, I'm all for these types of matches because underdogs, underdog champs are just as sort of easy to root for as dominant champs. And as you said, it's fun seeing, like, Tadasuke not be lethargic and sort of fully into things because he's really damn good when he gets going. And just, yeah, it was a sort of fun, if unexpected, sort of flipping the title match on its head type of thing, where it's normally a 50-50 split. Or yeah. like 60-40 to the champs, especially when it's a first defense, because you're like, oh, we've got to make sure our new type champions look good, and then it's just like, oh, they had their asses handed to them for most of the match. Oh, I mean, this this is all right, but you kind of have to give you have to give them something where they're a bit more dominant. It's difficult. It's a difficult line to throw. I mean, the classic example of this time of tackle reign was um, Magnus in Impact Wrestling when he won the championship when. He lost every match by some screwy finish um, or got beat up for most of the match and squeaked out a win. And this happened for six months. 
And he kept complaining to the writers, like, I've got to be dominant. I'm supposed to be a heel champion. I'm supposed to win easily. That's how heel championships work. Uh, and they were like, we know, but we can't do that. And it was basically down to politics, really. And it was one of the reasons why Magnus' run didn't kind of hit the strides it perhaps should have done. And it took, you know, Billy Corgan and the NWA to figure out how to book him properly as a world champion. Um, some six or seven years later. However, like when you've got yeah. baby face champs like this, though, it's probably fine to have it be. It's okay. Really, so, to... yeah, you can you can slowly feed them to being more dominant through their reign until they figure out how to be champs. But, yeah, you can't. Or they're going to snap. One of the two. True. That's the way forward. After the match, uh, Shigi Kondo, who was it? It was a Elijah company name. I can't remember who it was. It was a company name to challenge for the tag team titles. Um, or was it O'Hara? I think it was O'Hara. Yes, yeah, so Hajime O'Hara and uh, Shigi Kondo t- challenged that Sukikata Jane Yoshiaka for the tag team championships and then proceeded to give them another kicking uh, with the help of Tadasuke. However, a young man in a mask came down to make the save, and that person was a wrestler called Amakusa, um, who uh, you may remember as Hell, who was formerly of Congo, uh, sorry, Congo, and lost the Luba's team. Loser leaves town match against O'Hara earlier in the year and was supposedly gone from Noah forever. Uh, but apparently, if you change your name, you can come back quite quickly. That's a McFarland rule, isn't it? It's the McFoley rule, yes. <laughs> I'm not him, clearly. Have you seen my dreadlocks? No! <laughs> um, yeah, this this was... Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of, like... Because it means stipulations then mean nothing if you, if you keep doing things like this. Having said that, he's an exciting wrestler and he's massively underrated and I'd like to see him back working for full-time promotion again. He's had a nice break, now let him get some work done. So we'll see what happens with that. What's your thoughts on the new challenges and the return of Amakase? And I'm always happy to see Condor beat the shit out of people. And yeah, I, <laughs> I don't mind it when people are sort of just like, oh, wait, I can bend the rules this way if it means I can get revenge. It's So it, it fits to me. I'm okay with it. Okay. All right, fair enough. I, mean, I think, I mean, this isn't WCW in the 90s where it happened on a weekly basis. Um, Boy, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's just move on. Next, we go to the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship. Ninja Mac defeated Hayato in what considered to be an upset by referee's decision in 11 minutes and 23 seconds. But when you find out what happened in the end, you'll understand why. During this match, Ninja Mac gave uh, one of his amazing uh, backflip powerbombs from the apron to the floor, at which point Hayato broke his wrist. Um, and that was that. Uh, referee oh, decided to go get... I couldn't tell yeah. if he'd actually gotten injured or not because it, it was I not didn't. A... I, no, I had to go and check results. But yes, he actually did break his wrist and he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. There's no plans for him to return soon. One of them breaks. It's a bad one. Not so. the way Matt wanted to win. No, definitely not. And also, I don't think... I like Ninja Mac what? But Hayata's run as an individual champion has been really good. And I didn't think see him losing the championship until a really big event, if you see what I mean. I'm not saying Mac wouldn't have won the title here, but I would have thought he maybe wouldn't have won the championship here. 
in my thought process, he may well have done because Ninja Mac's got an awful lot of momentum. He's very popular with Noah fans. Um, and it would be a different face on the championship. But I kind of thought it would go to somebody else, maybe a Congo guy or something, because they're kind of building up Telescape mm. or something like that. That's probably like the most pissed off I've seen Hayata in a match as well. Yeah. Because the way he was trying to lay it in with Mac. It's just like, you are the opposite of me. This will not stand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hayata is kind of... Hayata is what would happen if Sonada actually had a personality. Yes, that's a good way of putting it, because he is basically a Japanese lucha-style wrestler, isn't he? That's what he does, what he's kind of like. I think, uh, well, Hayata's smaller for a start. He's a bit more scrappy. He's not as super smooth as Sonada, is he? No, but he's, not, he's just a stoic. He's the same. Yeah. He tries to do, like, he's basically pulling off successfully what Sonada wishes he could do. I think, uh, if anything, I think Sonada isn't stoic enough these days. I think when he said absolutely nothing and had no expression whatsoever, he was a bit more interesting. Since he started doing interviews, it's all gone downhill for him. <laughs> should never have lost the Mohawk. That was no. the secret to his... Yeah, yeah. Looking at... You, you, there, you've got to say there is something to be said for Sonada in a really nice suit and a Mohawk. That was, you know, there was, there was, that, 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 that was peak Sonada. Really, becoming the pirate was a bit of an issue. Really, let's be honest. Um, but yes, anything else you really can say happy. about? Yeah, I'm Sorry. really happy for Ninja Mac because, like, if ah. you're going to have someone take the title in an unfortunate event, why not have it on one of the most exciting members of your roster who people are really behind and has more creative, like, moves than pretty much anyone on the planet, and can still. Matt wrestle like a champ. Like, yeah. As unfortunate as it is, it's awesome to sort of see him get such a prestigious title, and hopefully he gets to do something fun with it. Yeah. All right. Also now followed by the Noah Junior Heavyweight Champ. <laughs> you can put that in your bio. <laughs> Uh, right then, GAC National Championship, Masakatsu Funaki, the legendary shoot fighter, goes up against Kazushi Sakuraba, the legendary shoot fighter, in a match that was really short. Three minutes and 19 seconds. Sakuraba looked out of sorts from the start in this match, and Funaki finished him quickly. And it was kind of... He didn't really get going fast enough for anything of this to happen, but Sakuraba looked like he didn't want to be there a lot of the time, to be honest with you. And... I don't know. What can you say about it? This wasn't bad. It was kind of like what you'd expect from them. You you kind of expected it to finish quickly one way or the other because both of them, to be blunt, are really old and therefore, you know, you don't expect a 20-minute main event kind of level match from either of them. Um, Though I kind of expected a bit more from Sakuraba. He was actually really good when he gets going, but just never got going in this match. What's your thoughts on this? Maybe that was the point. Maybe it was supposed. Maybe they're gonna do another one where it's like Sakuraba's actually switched on. I don't. A, I don't know. There was something odd about this one. Like it didn't I mean, click. It, it, it was smooth poss- enough, but I was gonna say maybe a possibility that Sakuraba did get injured and they had to finish it quickly, but I can't see where. Unless he wasn't going in at a hundred percent. There's a possibility he may have just had something like the flu, but then again, usually they just stop, they just don't put him in, do they? They get, they get an ultimate. So 
don't know. It's a bit weird, this one. It's like, it was fine. It had some of the technicality you'd expect from the pair, but, like, it just never kicked into another gear, which we usually see from both of them. And it, it <laughs> ended weirdly as well. Yeah, it would do. It ended with a choke, and that was it. There was no fire back from Sakuraba. He just tapped out. Well, he didn't tap out. He fainted, didn't he? He passed out. And that was that. Yeah. Just weird. There you go. I swear to fuck, I'm going to kill whoever is fucking letting off fireworks. To be fair, it is November the 6th. Yes, but of all the times to pick. (laughs) I suppose the kiddos can get to bed before school in the morning, I suppose. But anywho, ah, brilliantly, I was in my local Tesco's on Saturday, or actually a one of the Tesco's in the area in which I live, and brilliantly, there was a guy looking through the fireworks catalogue, preparing to buy fireworks that already had his hand bandaged. Someone didn't learn their lesson. No, they didn't. This is also today, as I was leaving Lidl, this is absolutely nothing to do with anything. But there is a plasterer in Gainsborough in Lincolnshire who has a van depicting Christ our Lord on the cross with a plasterer's board in one hand and a trowel in the other. And I mean, like, literally nailed to the cross with the, one, the traditional pose of our Lord and literally plasterboard in one hand, trowel in the other. He'll do a bang-up job or you can crucify us. <laughs> I don't know where the idea for that came from. It made me like you either have to be really Christian or not care at all. (laughs) I'm erring on the not care at all thing. I'm not sure if it was the hill or the suns that came up with that design on the back of the van. It was really nicely done. It was like really well presented. It must have been a vinyl wrap. But it's like, like, what do you? How do you go into a store and say, like, an auto store and say, I'd like a vinyl wrap of Jesus on the cross, whilst holding a, a mortarboard and a, and a, a, and a trowel in the other hand? And what? And which particular vinyl wrap company goes? Yeah, we can do that for you. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's move on from this madness. I live in the oddest place in the world. Satoshi Kojima and Takeshi Segura of Segura Gun defeated Congo, Katsuki Nakajima, Keno, 21 minutes and 23 seconds. Now, for this, the, basically the, the impetus behind this match, Keno, a man with a negative sense of humour, can't stand Satoshi Kojima because he's Satoshi Kojima. How can anyone not like Satoshi Kojima? I don't know. Keno is your man, but then Keno doesn't like anything or anyone. Probably doesn't like puppies either. Or kittens. Um, as a result of that, these four really did give each other a kick in. This was supreme work from all four wrestlers, uh, especially Sugiyara and Kojima, who are not young and they took a pacing in this match. It went for 21 minutes and 23 seconds, and you're on the edge of the seat for the whole thing. This was fantastic work. Absolutely loved this match. Intriguingly, Sugiyara and Kojima did beat the Young Stars, which is boding well for a tag team run for them. But Nakajima and Keno go back to the drawing board as uh, two singles wrestlers taking a crack at the tag team championships. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't think Katsuhi 
Oh, Nakajima knows how to have a soft match. Like, this is brutal. <laughs> and again, much like the, the junior tag team title match, it was a Congo beatdown of the champs. Like, so much of this match was, like, Kojima stuck in a corner while Sagira watches him get the shit kicked out of him. It's an interesting way to sort of showcase how Congo goes for titles, especially tag team titles. But again, that didn't make it a bad match. It was incredibly fun to just watch everyone sort of take the training wheels off and just beat the absolute hell out of each other. Like, this was stiff and then some. And as I said, it had one of my favourite moments of the show as Keno is just attacking the crowd for cheering for Kojima. <laughs> just send over his mouth. Every time he tried to do some of the signature Kojima bits, Keno would pop up and stick his hand over his mouth so he couldn't say them. Eventually, uh, Kojima did get the, the shout-out after the elbow in the corner. Um, and... Kojima won such a thunderous lariat. It was insane. Uh, there has been some condemnation that Sugiyara and Kojima can't coexist. They have made some blundering errors, uh, and they did in this match as well, but they still took the championship belts home with them, and Nakajima and Keno did not. Uh, the next challenges for these guys are the Funky Express, Sato and uh, Mohamed Yone. That'll be fun. I don't think it'll be a serious wrestling match. Uh, as Stu I will be going on about it. old, uh, sorry, Mark will be going on about old man strength for quite some time during that match, and it might move a bit slowly. It's just going to end up in a dance number, isn't it? But like Kajima will be so. dancing, and Sagira will just be looking across at what the fuck are you doing? Sagira <laughs> is not known for his uh, like you know freewheeling spirit, shall we say? It's kind of like. Um, He's a bit, he's a bit doer. Though he did shake Kojima's hand at the end of this match. Uh, Segura's only been offering him a, the first finger shake because he doesn't quite trust him yet. Um, but they get one shake in if they win. So that was that. That was good. Anyway, shall we move on to the co-main event? This was so wholesome. Again. It was. Like- You'd expect this to be like a political bitch fight, but it really wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Keiji Muto, Naimuchi Marafuji, and Yoshiaki Inamura defeated Grit Bashil, Togi Makabe, and Tommy Akihomura, who were tagging with the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. It was New Japan versus uh, Noah. There was a lot of common threads in this particular match. Tommy Akihomura was Keiji Muto's personal assistant in his All Japan run. Hiroshi Tanahashi was Keiji Muto's personal assistant in his New Japan run. Um, and Togi Makabe's Togi Friggin Makabe. Um, Naoichi Marafuji and Yoshiki Minamura, of course, long-term Noah um, seniors. Uh, well, not so much anymore. He's, not, he's a senior wrestler now, but he's, he's been in and around the company for quite some time and really impressed back in January um, in those tag matches uh, on the January the 1st card and in the... Uh, Yokohama show against New Japan for wrestling. So I'm guessing he was tapped for this match. Was, as in, you do really well against New Japan guys and uh, this will work out fine. And it just did. It just flowed. It was lovely, lovely piece of storytelling. Tanahashi with obvious reverence for his mentor, but that didn't mean he wasn't going to try. Onma, again, obvious reverence for his mentor too. Um, tried to give him a hug at the end, but Muto was having none of it. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, this was a fun professional. I've read your rap sheet. Sorry? Muto just going, I've read your rap sheet. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fun was horrible. Anyway, moving on, uh, what did you think of the matches? I know you said it's wholesome, but was there any standout moments for you? I just really enjoyed watching it. Like, it's one of these matches where you just kind of get lost in the moment. You see the star power in it. You see the sort of, how the fuck is this happening? This could only be because of Kieji Muto sort of type of atmosphere. <laughs> you like, I know it's like New Japan's golden year, so they're trying to be friendly with everyone. But if you think back to a couple of years, this wouldn't have happened. And oh, no. sure as shit wouldn't have happened where Noah won. <laughs> <You'd just laughs> Definitely like, not. But yeah, it was, it's just a nice... The only thing that I'm sad about is that Inamura's gear no longer makes him look like a tyre. Because <laughs> I'm so yeah, used so... to seeing like Inamura look like a tyre and he's got new gear and it's just... I sort of have broken... to get used to the fact he no longer looks like a tyre. He's broken things up a bit. And you're absolutely right on the politics front. It is interesting. Like Tiger Mask has been over in all Japan and I think he's a junior heavyweight tag team champion over there. I know he won the junior heavyweight world championship, didn't he? He won that for a while. Um, mm. You know, and they're the loading people out left, right, and centre. Obviously, Dookie went to late this summer as part of their transfer deal. Desperado's gone over there as well. Um, there's been, and there's been a lot of storyline stuff. A lot of parts happened in late has become, have been because of Suzuki, basically, um, and how, you know, the feeding of the stuff that happened on the Taichi Tacker and uh, Despy shows has fed into what's happened in Gleet and. It's been a nice little... There's been no big crossover storylines that you kind of expect, though they're ramping up for that this year. There's going to be a big the Stardom crossover main event coming up in November, um, just before Wrestle Kingdom. That's going to be another one that's going to happen. Uh, it's been, been some matches announced for that this week. Mayu versus um, Kyrie for the SWA World Championship. And there's been some big matches already this year, you know, um, Jazzy Gabbert, um, my friend, who wrestled. Um, uh, <laughs> I just mentioned a name, mate. I don't see a picture of my head. Who's wrestling Kyrie, the SWA World Champion, who I just mentioned? Yeah, her. Uh, but Jazzy's been on a tour with them um, after winning the IWGP tournament match she had with Ava Everett at um, uh, the London show, which I was at. Uh, well, she, yeah, I guess she was. I saw that match. Sorry? You just go on the London show and it's like Royal Quest. Royal Quest, that's the one. I was just going to say the London show. Yeah, Royal Quest, you're right. <laughs> I want to prove to myself that my main isn't, brain isn't completely addled. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, there's been some big stuff, but there's not been a really big crossover moment yet, and I'm wondering if we're going to get that. Speaking of really big crossover moments, and we have to talk about this before we get to the main event, which was an epic, there was the announcement of the Great Muta and Kiyeji Muto's great final match, which will be at the Tokyo Dome on January the 1st on New Year's Eve, or sorry, December 31st on New Year's Eve, against Shinsuke Nakamura of the WWE. Now, if you're talking about the political heavyweight that you can possibly be, then that's pretty politically heavyweight to get a WWE main eventer to come back to a Japanese wrestling company that he is not contracted to, and it's Noah. You kind of expect it if it was New Japan, but Muta has managed to do the impossible. 
and bring Shinsuke Nakamura back to Japan for a Japanese country, uh, Japanese company. Um, and that will be your main event on the big New Year's Eve show. And it's going to be at Tokyo Dome, which is long while since Noah have been at the Tokyo Dome. So they're feeling frisky and feel like they can fill it. And judging by this crowd, they did 3,900 for this show, or 3,739 to sell out there. I know. It was a very hot crowd. Yeah, it was. was a really, really good crowd. Yeah, it was. And there was lots of stuff going on this show. I mean, it opened with Goshi Ozaki announcing his return. I'll give you back soon. And, you know, they were into it from that moment onwards. And they were especially happy with the idea of they're going to get to see um, Shinsuke Nakamura in a Japanese ring for a Japanese country for the company for the first time in, what, eight years? That's going to be outstanding. Oh, great to see as well, because it's like the whole thing with Kiyoji Muto on this sort of tour has been his love of wrestling and how it brings people together. Like, we've seen it time and time and time and time and time again. He's been to AW, he's been to every bloody company he possibly can to sort of get a lick in on this tour. And now it's just like, oh, you thought I wasn't going to go to WWE? Bullshit, I've brought WWE to me. And it's like, <laughs> it's just incredible to see this one person have this much pull. And it's it's well-deserved. Like, we've, we've said in the past that, like, Kiyoji Muto occasionally doesn't like to lose, and he's he doesn't like to but with this tour like how many people has he put over like he refused mm. to get the win in this um match like the new japan match because he got because yeah. it was a uh, marifuchi who got the win and mm. it's just like he's been putting people over left right and center this tour has been about as many of the people as humanly possible alongside himself I think that so, may be that may have been the impetus match, impetus behind the match at Yokohama at the beginning of the year, where Kiyomi, it was Kiyomiya's idea to wrestle Kazuchika Okada. It was always his dream, and he always wanted to do it as as a moment, you know, as like to just to show how great Noah could be as the ace of Noah goes against the ace of New Japan, and that was a noble thing to do. And then Muta kind of muscled his way into it, you know, and there was a lot of negative kind of like, well, there's Muta again. Here we go again. You know, here's Muta muscling himself in on a main event he doesn't need to be in. Um, but that's a narrative that's saying up for the year that he is selfish and he's trying to right those wrongs before he goes. And of course, his win, the key his win over him is what moved him forward to the Global Honor Crown Championship as well. And if you don't have that tag match in you, if you don't have that tag match in January, you don't get that main event, and Kiyomiya's run is less meaningful than it actually is now. Yeah, we're we're seeing like full term storytelling in a farewell tour. It's yeah, like the most it. wrestling thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, I can just <laughs> go and do like these these fun dream matches for everyone. I'm gonna get me mates sting back. I'm gonna get Shinsuke. We're just gonna do this massive pomp, and it's cost. It's not. It's like I'm gonna make a young champion that everyone is going to love, and I fucking did it. Yeah, and here's the thing. Here we are nine months later. I'm still thinking about Akada telling Kiyomiya as he looks down, as Kiyomiya looks up into his eyes, covered in sweat, and having just had the most humiliating defeat of his career, as Akada looks down on him and says, 
it's not how you win, it's how you lose and how you get back, which is what Okada told him in Japanese, obviously not English. And now, nine months later, Okada is going to be going in for Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom, and he hasn't got the belt, and Kiyomiya has his. You know, there's the, the, that's kind of been the dictomy of, dictomy of the year. Okada lost and had to figure out how to come back, um, and Kiyomiya showed him the way, a company away. And that's that's intriguing. I like that kind of storytelling, even though it's probably more accidental than actual. But it's 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 deep, isn't it? You can read it so many ways. What we're talking about the joyous of things and Twitter is just making me cringe. Yeah, well, Twitter's made us all cringe this week. <laughs> I'm off to yeah, look at it, Mastodon. <laughs> I've just started using the Instagram properly. I, I started head. using Instagram. I, I use, I'm on Instagram. I think we follow each other on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, Sheriff Star TX, but it's nothing to do with wrestling what I post on Instagram. All my stuff on Instagram, I promised myself I would only ever print, use um, film photography pictures on Instagram. So if you look at my pictures, they're nothing to do with wrestling or cars or any of the things I'm, or politics or anything of other things I'm interested in, all to do with photography. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> um, most, but yeah. Most of mine up until two days ago. Was it just had four posts and they were all from different games I'd played, and now I'm using it to plug the Patreon a bit, just there in case go. Twitter goes shit up. I think we're probably all going to end up moving over either there or something. There's nothing that's quite similar that isn't awful. Like we're not all off to truth, are we? Let's be honest. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, Braun something... is currently embarrassing himself on Twitter. But the best thing uh, is Mustafa Ali is just roasting him for it and winning. My favourite uh, thing that I just read before I go on this was um, someone told Dave, uh, David Bixon's fan to get away with you and your Western human rights rubbish as he was commentating oh, yeah. on the Crown Jewel show. I like, like yesterday. Oh, Bigs. Why, why, why do people pick on you, David? It's not your fault. Just idiots. Anyway, the main event. Shall we? Let's. This was amazing. This was absolutely stunning. Kazuyuki Fujita, who was a former champion, lost the title because of a run with COVID and had to relinquish the belt. Um, went into this championship match saying Kiyomiya wasn't really worthy of him. It was going to be just a quick match, but he, he was gonna, it was going to give Kiyomiya a chance because he felt like the last time they wrestled, he didn't beat him up enough. That was basically his theory going into this match. And for 20 of the 24 minutes of this match, he did, in fact, beat Kiyomiya to death. A, a real rip his arm off and hit him with a sticky end moment for most of this match until Kiyomiya landed a Frankensteiner and got a pinfall right at the end of the match. And that's all you need. And it was actually a very Kazuchika Akada kind of win when he's up against guys that he's much bigger than him. Um, he doesn't obviously can't always get the rainmaker on, can't always get the money clip on. So he'll take a win any which way he can. He and me took a win any which way he could, which turned out to be from the Frankensteiner. Fujita looked like a monster because he is a monster. Everyone went home happy. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Especially I don't get how people don't like. I don't get how people don't like Fujita. Like, how can you not love someone who is just an ornery old bastard out there to destroy everyone in his way? Like, people complain, oh, wrestling's not real enough. Go watch Vegeta tear someone's head off and beat them with it. 
like if you want a sort of oh the champions in for the fight of his life type story there are a few better people to pick than Vegeta and my god was Kiyomiya in for the fight of his life as you said for 20 of the 24 minutes of this match like Kiyomiya was dead or getting killed and it's just it's another uphill battle where the sort of shock victory feels earned because it's just like okay you should have been 10 times dead 10 times over Vegeta kicked out of like you kicking him in the head he's continuously bitch slapping you so of course you just out techniqued him for the win it makes sense and it's fun and Vegeta nearly killed a ref it's like (laughs) it had everything you want in a main event because it was just pure monstrosity fighting I think I mean I think the thing is with Fujita, I, I I like him. Uh, but I think the I think the thing that he gets is he was one of Inoki's boys, which is true, and he's kind of lived off that ever since, which is also true. That doesn't mean he's not talented, and that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to make a match work, especially a match like this, where he still has to make Kiyomiya look like a champion, even though he's got to beat him up. He knew how to kind of like make it look believable that Kiyomiya would take the win. He didn't just, like, destroy him. There was levels to it. Yeah, he gets what he's doing. Like, some people just think he's this mindless brute who wants to hurt people. And that might be true, but he still gets wrestling. <laughs> he gets wrestling, that's for true. And I, It's, I mean, that's the thing, though, isn't it? People's perceptions are going to be a bit different to to everyone and it is he did I think you know it's the Inokiism thing he came up in a period of time where Inoki was kind of like absolutely into the entire realism thing and those guys like Funaki and uh, Vegeta and Tanaka were those guys we've got out on top and it killed the business like from a draw point of view because wrestling fans like wrestling they don't necessarily like horse fights that are just all shoot based um, and I think there's a place for it, everyone, but it's a variety show. You're not supposed to have those guys win all the time. Um, and I think that's kind of like what sticks to Fujita is the fact that he was really dominant in a period of time when New Japan wasn't that interesting to um, any audience. It depends on how you feel about Anokiism. A lot of people love that stuff. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean it fills arenas or sells tickets and it was the reason why Inoki left the company so it's kind of like I, I understand where you're coming from you're not wrong but also other things too anywho as the main event finished the next challenger would be the indeed Rough around the edges, Mr. Timothy Thatcher of Sigurigun, who came in to challenge Kiyomiya and stared him down with that god-awful stare that's slightly terrifying all the way through. Uh, as he, and Essentially, he was still staring at him as he walked up the aisle. And that's your next main event for the GHC Heavyweight Championship, which I'm sure will be coming up soon. What are your thoughts on Timothy Thatcher as a challenger? Yes, 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 yes. Inject this match into my veins. Do you think he should win? I don't think he's going to win, but I think it's going to be a damn good match. Like, believe me, if Timothy Thatcher wins, I will be over the fucking moon. If he loses, I will still be over the moon that I have seen this match. Like, I, I just... More Timothy Thatcher in high places. The guy is great. 
What do you think of Kiyomiya? And this was his first defense of this championship. And this is kind of reverted to the supernova persona. He's kind of gone back to what made him a star again. He looks refreshed and he looks like he could be a champion for a long time. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I honestly hope he is champ for a long time. You don't go through a redemption, redemption arc story only to have it taken away from you in a couple of months. That's just a dick move. It's like we've got the image change, we've got the new music, we've got the new attitude, and we've got the survivability, considering he survived 20 minutes of Vegeta trying to take his head off. <laughs> he might not be the most dominant champ at the moment, but my God, is he a champ with iron in him? This is true. The only person who truly knows, of course, is the Noah Booker in the Sauron guy, who announced his own retirement, uh, which will also be on the Great Muta Retirement Show on the 31st of December at New Year's. Um, at the Tokyo Dome, again, he's be going out. He's had. He, he, sorry, I don't think that's real. I think he's just you, announcing it for some sort of big Los Peros match. There's been, there's been, there's been consultation that that might not be real. Um, and, and also, you know, wrong guy's a, a pretty big draw. You kind of wouldn't have thought he wouldn't want to be second fiddle to anyone, especially as the boss of a company. Though it's kind of like giving if he does actually retire there. We will see, I guess. And to be fair, it doesn't look, go out, he doesn't look unfit. Have... No, if you're going to go out, you might as well pick the biggest show to go out on. But I don't know. I feel like there's more to this. Especially considering how the commentators were talking about it. Like, oh, of course he's chosen to go out on Muta's retirement. <laughs> well, we shall see, undoubtedly. But that kind of closes out on Noah. We haven't done... Well, we've done a fair bit of Noah this year, and they've been reliable when we've gone back to them. They lost all kinds of momentum in the spring and stuffed themselves right royally uh, with some awful hires and some matches and decisions that weren't best. They kind of lost the momentum they'd had from the beginning of the year. But now they seem to be kind of back on an even keel. What's your thoughts, John? As a company over a whole, what are you thinking? Yeah, they, they seem to be right in the ship again. It was a bit shaky at the start, of it, like going into spring, especially with Heichel Melgen being weirdly in there. But <laughs> thankfully, he managed to take himself out before we could all make too many jokes. Like, cough, cough, don't steal protein powder, you fucking idiot. But um, yeah, it was just... It's getting there. They're back in back in control. They've got really interesting champs. They're putting on really great matches. The crowds are into it. You you can just tell that they're firing on all cylinders again. So here's to hoping that like going into the new year and onwards that they keep this momentum, at least for a while. Like if they have a dip, so be it. But like let's hope that it's not quite as drastic as the spring dive earlier Definitely. this year. I mean, every time we've seen them put shows on, they've got three to 4,000 people in an arena, which can't be said for New Japan for wrestling this year. Um, the only people who are kind of like, you know, they're doing well. Stardom are doing well. Um, they're getting big crowds. They're doing bigger arenas. Um, New Japan are kind of, well, they're kind of where they are. Though they, they seem to be doing their level best to reduce the number of people who go see their shows. Um, and you know, DDT are doing great. TJPW are starting to do bigger shows on a more of a regular basis. Even all Japan are doing all right, they're not doing badly. Um, it's a healthy, it's not as good as it was three or four years ago when New Japan were really on top. 
but I don't think that's a bad thing for the whole of the Japanese wrestling industry. I think the Kings Road companies have really come on strong this year and they haven't really, they're not going to take over from where New Japan are, culturally speaking, or like in an attendance way, but they've certainly kind of proven their worth as good, solid companies that are going to make bigger and bigger, steady improvements. And they're investing in younger talent, which is not what they were doing last year, which is going to be a positive thing. Right then. Finally, being more future focused, which is something they've needed to do for a while. Indeed. And probably the fact that the biggest star is retiring has probably kind of given them like, ooh, we best do something about this. Right then, that's it for the Troopany Show for this week. Not sure what we're looking at next week. In a couple of weeks' time, we are looking at that CMLL all-women's show. Uh, we are going to, soon as soon as it comes up on the CMLL YouTube, because there's no other way of finding it. CMLL are like, you know, a company that are a bit behind when it comes to like their worldwide distribution, because they only really care about Mexico, because that's where they make the money. So you have to wait two or three weeks, and it all answers on the YouTube. You're about two or three weeks behind, but you're behind as we are, so I guess that's all right then. So next week, we'll have a chat. We'll think about something that we can have a look at. Uh, but there's plenty of wrestling about. There was a big, there was a big New Japan show yesterday, which has got high, big reviews, um, which finalises a bunch of stuff for Wrestle Kingdom. But there's still a bunch of stuff to go because on the 17th of November is the start of World Tag Team and Best of Super Juniors Tag League. So I will be doing a, a Today At series from them. As probably not quite Today At because my new work schedule doesn't allow me to watch as much wrestling as I used to during the week. This week at. So this week at. The last couple of days at <laughs> is probably more likely, um, especially as it's a double tournament. It's like if they'd just done World Tag League, wouldn't have been a problem, but now I've got to watch all of it. So I'm hoping the schedule isn't insane. But there you go. These things happen. I did Best of Super Genius and World Tag League last year, so it can't be that bad. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. John, where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman for however long that lasts. Uh, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at handlejohn underscore deathman. Really creative. And you can find me on Patreon at Deathmatch Digest. That will give you twice weekly features looking into Deathmatch history, Deathmatch present, and the occasional freebie. Like if you go over now, you can read the Halloween special, which features Prestige Wrestling's super fight between Derek Drexel, the devil himself, and Jackass's Danger Aaron. There you go. Who, yeah, fought his first death match and brought a friend along with him. It's really good fun. It's really fun to write about. And yeah, go see what you think. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us at, on Patreon, indeed, like John. You can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Uh, we're all hoping that Elon Musk gets tired of bored of his new toy and sells Twitter on to somebody else who's less stupid. Uh, unfortunately, that may not happen. So we might all be off to Instagram or, God forbid, Facebook or whatever comes next after Twitter. I think we're, I think MySpace. We didn't know what we had with Tom. <laughs> all he wanted us to do was share cool music and have nice pictures on there and do HTML design that was god awful, like eye arresting. It was doing fine until a billionaire decided to have a midlife crisis. Well, yeah, it is. Just, it doesn't know what he's doing. Clearly, has no clue what he's doing. But well, there you go. It doesn't. I don't. I can't. I can't understand why he doesn't see 
that freedom of speech is fine, but speech has consequences. You can say what you like, but if you're a horrible person, people will not want to be associated with you. So the easy thing to do on your platform that is used advertising to create and sell it is not to have people be awful. You know, you can be like different, you can have different opinions, you can say what you like, but if you're awful, then people aren't going to give you money, are they? And they don't get how you don't get that. It's like, oh, it's because the because because I don't understand how he doesn't get the majority of people in the world are not like him. <laughs> but there you go. That is the Wrestling. trouble. With, yeah, but that is but that is the trouble with privilege in general. Because he won't listen to anybody else, so therefore he's never going to have a reasonable conversation about what's going on in the world. Anywho, that's my philosophical political stance of the week. I'm sure I'll get hate tweets about that. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.